that is a hill that I'm so prepared to die on when people like I, I'm hoping that like the general consensus is that people preferred Kovac to Ancelotti. So at least Kovac wanted to be there. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich grabbed yet another win this past weekend, beating Hertha Berlin 4-1 and keeping their lead atop the Bundesliga table at 6 points, despite Julian Nagelsmann fielding a system with only 3 true defensive players and 5 all-out attackers. But it hasn't only been good news for Bayern fans this week, as it was officially announced yesterday that Niklas Sula will leave the club in the summer, uh, meaning that Hassan Salihamidzic and company must get to work on finding his replacement and doing so quickly. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about all of that and more with my friends Garrett Kerber. Hello. Tim Richards. Hello there. And of course, Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, guys, I think we should uh, kick things off by talking about um, this past weekend's game uh, against Hertha Berlin. And um, it was really exactly what we expected out of Bayern Munich in terms of performance. Uh, We dominated the game from beginning to end. There were really several... Uh, impressive displays. I think uh, Joshua Kimmich uh, was e- uh, easily the man of the match, depending on you know where you look at for your stats. A lot of um, places like SofaScore, which I use, say that he played basically a, a perfect game. Uh, Leroy Sané, I think, was was phenomenal. He even had a really good goal that was taken away for a handball, which I really think was a bit unfair, but uh, obviously I'm a little bit biased in that in that category. Um, Thomas Muller was looking great again, just from from top to bottom, a really impressive display. And we can talk about some of those players later, but I want to revisit uh, a topic and talk about a player that we talked about last week. And I mean, maybe we just haven't done him justice, and that and that's Corinton Tolisso, who uh, again really impressed in midfield. Obviously, Joshua Kimmich stole the show, but. I think getting outperformed by Yosef Kimmich doesn't really take away from anyone as a player. Uh, Tolisso, again, looked fantastic in midfield, got a goal. Um, he had another one that was taken away because of offside. And really, I think he's doing everything that we could expect out of him. And so, Sebastian, you know, we, we kind of discussed this in the chat as well. Do you think maybe we were a little bit unfair toward Corantan uh, Tolisso last week? Maybe we ought to give him a bit more credit and I, I guess keep an open mind about that contract extension. I mean, uh, I don't think we were particularly unfair, I guess, uh, to uh, kind of defend uh, our podcast from last week, I guess, because I, I think we all kind of uh, appreciated his performances recently and we all thought that he was doing very well right now. Um, of course, the, the big question mark of... Uh, his uh, injury history basically still exists. This is just something that's not going to go away no matter what kind of performances we see out of him. Uh, yeah, I think we as Bayern fans all remember that from uh, from Ian Robin especially because he, he was, of course, a most brilliant player, but he was also just gone half of the time. And I don't think he's Ian Robben level yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's ever going to get there because he's not that young anymore. Uh, but yeah, I definitely felt like that. I definitely felt like maybe I was doubting him too much because I definitely didn't expect him to have another game at that level, probably an even better game than um, what he had shown recently. I didn't see that coming. 
and that definitely uh, changes my perception of him uh, to an extent. Especially, I would say that he's scoring again, because that is something we kind of, or at least I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I can speak for all of us on that, but that's something I expected from uh, Tolisso when he arrived here. Basically, that he would be a guy who plays central midfield but is also a scoring threat. And we hadn't seen much of that in earlier years, I would say. But now, well, now it looks pretty different, I would say. And if he can keep that, if that works out better, maybe uh, because of how we are playing right now, maybe because of what Nagelsmann has been doing with him, uh, if basically this uh, is something that we can expect more of, that definitely changes things uh, to a certain extent and I would say not only a bit but pretty much I feel uh, because um, when we talked last week I felt like he definitely played better defensively he just looked better as a central midfielder but I was not ready to see him as more of an offensive threat as we have seen him now again and I think yeah that definitely changes the picture a little bit. That definitely brings up this um, uh, comparison with Goretzka because he's, of course, also someone who likes to score a goal here and there, even if uh, they kind of score their goals in a bit of a different way. Yeah, I think if not for the injuries, this would be an easy decision to give him a new contract at this point. But yeah, so this is what we still need to kind of balance here, I feel. Because, of, as I said, the injury situation is just not going away, right? Mm -hmm. I guess the uh, the good news with, with the contract situation is that it doesn't seem like Tolisso is in a hurry to go anywhere. It really seems like he wants to stay. And so in that sense, Bayern does have until the end of the season to, to kind of sort things out, see how the season ends, and um, maybe revisit the topic then. But to kind of put that specific conversation to the side, the, the contract extension, let's just talk about the way he's playing right now, the form that he's in. Uh, and Tim, you know, Sebastian hinted at this a little bit, but when Leon Goretzka comes back from injury, which doesn't seem like it should be too much longer, um, do you think that he will walk back in and be a starter, or do you think that Tolisso's uh, recent performances have kind of warranted him still kind of being the number one guy beside Yosua Kimmich in midfield for, for the time being. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I, I'm very much of the opinion that nobody should have, like, okay, this person starts regardless. Granted, there are some exceptions with guys like Neuer, Kimmich, and, and Muller and Lewandowski, but that's primarily because when these people play they very rarely have a bad game. They very rarely take the foot off the, I was about to say, foot off the brakes, foot off the pedal, I guess. I, I can't drive, so <laughs> that analogy's lost on me. But these are guys that regularly perform at a really, really high level. Um, so in a way, like they're kind of set in stone just by virtue of the fact that they're very, very good players. The situation with Goretzka for the moment is that while he is injured, this is a great opportunity for guys like like Tolisso and also Sabitzer as well. I, I don't think we should um, we should forget him. But specifically about Tolisso, this is an opportunity for him to say, "You," because I don't know. I feel like if I was Tolisso arriving at Bayern and then the season after, they they were to like pick up somebody that was virtually like the 
pretty much exact same profile of player immediately afterwards, I would feel somewhat hard done by. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think this is an opportunity for Tolisso to show exactly what he can do. And then when Goretzka comes back, you know, that's that's a great problem to have, having too much quality. Like, how do we, like, how do we incorporate this? In my eyes, you have to do it. You have to give the role to the person that's been performing the best. Um, so, for example, if uh, if Omar Richards was to be performing at a better standard than Alfonso Davies is, then yeah, start start Richards. Um, I, I think it should work on on that way. As for how Goretzka has been playing for, I guess maybe the last year, I suppose maybe like just under a year, he hasn't been as impactful as he was. He's because there were times. When he, um, I guess, like in his first season or so, that he was quite kind of quiet, like he didn't really get on the ball that much. Like he was a good physical presence, but games just kind of went, and you'd think, oh yeah, Goretzka was playing in that. I, I completely forgot. So I, I don't know. I think when he comes back, I think Goretzka is going to have quite a big mission in front of him to show, yes, I'm I am healthy again because that's another thing that I've that I kind of believe and I've said a few times is that I don't think Goretzka really ever got back to 100% after the injuries that he suffered like around the PSG games last season. He needs to show I am 100% and I'm going to stay 100% for a long time. And in doing that, this is everything that I can offer you that somebody else can't. Whereas at, at the moment, all Tolisso has to do is just is just stay 100% healthy because he's putting in fantastic performances um and uh, yeah i don't know i'm still kind of undecided on the uh on the extension thing because it's good now but who knows what's going to happen like in three weeks time um yeah right right now though really really fond of how he's playing and uh i'm interested to see how it plays out in the future i i think that that's kind of the, the real key that you touched on there Tim is that it's probably going to be a, a good little while before we see Goretzka playing a full 90 minutes. And so even, even if you plug Goretzka in as these in the starting 11 right away, which is also not going to happen, he's probably going to be, you know, inserted in and, and then slowly integrated back into the squad. There's still plenty of time for uh, Taliso to show himself, um, well, not even so much himself, but just show that he provides for this team something that Goretzka does not, that actually elevates Bayern beyond where we've seen them play uh, with Goretzka at his best. And so there's still a long way to go in between. I mean, I it it I know there's a lot of there's a lot of school of thought that says that if you you can't lose your spot to an injury, I think that's kind of ridiculous. I, I understand where people are coming from on that, that, you know, if you were playing as the best player in the world before you got injured, you should be able to come back in the starting lineup uh, when you, when you're healthy again. But I just think in, in reality, that just, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, there's just so much that goes into coming back from an injury that, um, by the time Goretzka is up to full speed again, 
um, hopefully, uh, if if they're taking their time with him and and pushing him when they need to push him, but but holding back when they when they need to hold back, we're still probably looking at you know March or April before we could fully say he's he's there physically and mentally. So Goretzka's got a, a uh, well, Taliso rather has a has a long stretch of time that where if he can stay healthy, he can really cement himself as maybe possibly better for this Bayern team in this in the setup that Nagelsmann plays. Um, and and so it, to the to the extension thing, like I I his play really hasn't changed my feeling on um, him at all. Um, because because the biggest concern, like we've all said, it uh, is not that he's a bad player or or anything uh, like that. It's it's more that can he maintain that by just staying on the pitch for stretches of games, and and so that's really where the concern is. And so for me, I'm still of the mind where. If he's playing as well as he's playing, that's only good for Bayern, and he seems to kind of have the mentality of of wanting to wanting to be here. Um, so so yeah, work until until that contract is up. Work with him on trying to extend it, you know, one maybe two years at a at a decent at a decent cost, and then that then that works out best for everybody. But I think I think currently the way he's playing, he deserves to get the bulk of the playing time, especially as Goretzka's coming back from an injury. And and then, then we'll be able to see as they're both healthy, uh, Lord willing. And if, as, as uh, Goretzka gets healthier, we can see kind of that, how the dynamic changes and, 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 and hopefully you'd be able to see who is better for, for this setup that, that Nagelsmann wants to play. Um, and in these important games that are, that are ahead of us. To, to kind of wrap up the uh, the Taliso conversation, I do think you're you're spot on, Garrett. Um, I think it speaks highly in favor of him that we've only mentioned Marcel Sabitzer one time, but that he, you know it speaks highly in favor of Taliso. Maybe it also says a little bit about Marcel Sabitzer's time here so far that really he's not even in consideration right now. It's it's a pretty clear hierarchy of Kimmich at the top, and and we're wondering. Goretzka or Taliso, you know, who's going to be second? I think that says a lot in Taliso's favor uh, because at the beginning of the season when Sabitzer came in, it seemed pretty clear to us that it was Kimmich and Goretzka and then Sabitzer was going to be next and then Taliso and Roca could fight it out to see who's going to get more starts uh, down there. But um, the way that, that Coco's been playing recently is, you know, been great. Good for him. Uh, good for him. I, I mean, I think as Bayern fans, the, the longer he stays fit, and the more competition there is for the starting eleven, uh, the better off the better off that we're going to be. And um, Gary, you talked about the system that Nagelsmann uses and how that's going to play a part. And so uh, to kind of transition into a new topic, uh, this past weekend Julian Nagelsmann stuck with the system that we've been seeing a lot more of recently. This sort of hybrid three four three three two four one. You know, depending on if we're in defense or attack. And we we had a long chat about that uh, on our Discord. Uh, the other day, but he used that system again this weekend. But what was unique is that there were not any wingbacks. Kingsley Coman played on the left. Serge Gnabry played on the right. Uh, Sané and Muller kind of in the middle of that attacking four, uh, if you will. And there were only three true defenders in Benjamin Pavard, Nicolas Sula, 
and Lucas Hernandez. And we talked about this a little bit uh, in our chat as well, but I want to bring it up here. Um, Sebastian, do you think that this system will be able to work against stronger teams? Because sure, against uh, a struggling Hertha Berlin side, we can go out and, and field a team that's only really got three defenders and probably get the job done. But I'm talking uh, European Knights, Champions League games. You know, Is this system going to still work against those stronger teams? Definitely a tough question. Uh, I would say I feel like if we would see this today with uh, like no more time to uh, practice that, to see how we can do things with it, I would not feel very well. I, I would I would be a bit scared uh, if tomorrow was like a Champions League semifinals or something, and we would go into into this game with Koman on the left and Gnabry on the right, uh, and nobody behind them i would find that pretty dangerous um i would say it definitely comes down to who's playing of course uh with with Alphonse davies of course this definitely changes everything here if we have him on the left i have really no fear uh whether he's going to do a a good job there uh be because he's just a much more uh defensively capable player than kingsley coman is um, on the right side, that's the next question, of course. Uh, Gnabry, I think, from my understanding, is better suited to play a more hybrid role where he's tracking back much more and uh, seeing himself as like a bit of a defender there um, than other people we could put there. Um, he has played. Uh, he has played right back. Uh, in the past, or was it left back? I'm not, I'm not sure actually. But he has played fullback in the past, and I think he's a reasonable hybrid for this position that could work. Uh, but the big question mark is what's going on if we have Sane out wide in this position? What's going going to happen if you have Musiala in this position? What's going to happen with Coman in this uh, position against stronger opponents? And that's just very much up in the air for me. Uh, even if we find out that this works, the the other big problem is if we're going to stick to this system, there's not many players we can throw in and basically, well, make it more defensive. Because if you're if you're going to go into an important game against strong op strong opposition with the system, of course you would at least want to have the option. To say okay, we we make one substitution and then well, it's all a bit more safe. And I don't think we we have the players to do that right now um, because I think you cannot really keep the system and put someone like Stanisic or or Pavard on the right side. That's just not going to work, right? So they are just not the the dribble uh, the dribblers basically the one on one guys to make that work offensively. So, yeah, now we come back to the old question. Do we need something like a right back or uh, a player in the mold of a right back kind of to play this position, which is not quite a right wing back position, but maybe something kind of similar. It feels like um, what uh, what uh, what we had in Germany when we were still playing uh, basically with three three actual defenders back in the 90s with uh, people like Christian Ziege, for example, on the side, out wide. Um, 
which nobody called a, a wingback or a Flügelverteidiger or whatever that would be in German at the time, by the way. Um, yeah, there are just not many players on the squad that can play this and be a credible defender, but also go one-on-one on offense. And this is just, yeah, a bit of a problem. Uh, I kind of trust Nagelsmann to maybe make that work, to give those players the tools they need to make it work, even if we have, uh, like, uh, Koman on the left, Sane on the right, or something like that. But I think that probably needs a bit more work. I would want to see that. Ideally, we would get at least one guy for the right side. For the left side, I guess we're fine, but I would really like to have that right back back then. I mean, I think, it, was it last week or was it two weeks ago where we talked about maybe we're now getting the right back we need at the one time when we right. don't need one? I guess now we're back in the territory where we very much need a guy like that. Uh, yeah, and now we're probably not getting one again. I, th- oh, I think that's if, how it is sometimes. Yeah, I think if I could, you're just thinking about the system. I think part of what makes it so great is the flexibility that it offers. And and, and we talked, um, we've talked about Nagelsmann before. I think what sets him apart is that tactical flexibility. The tact. I mean, when we when we're in attack, it's very much a three-two-four-one, and and really nobody else is playing that that system uh, right now. I don't think very many coaches. Would have done, would have done what Nagelsmann has done in taking Leroy, Leroy Sané and playing him in more of a. I mean, he's hardly a winger at all. He's playing more of a central role when we're in possession. He's very much more of an attacking midfielder. Um, and and it wasn't until recently that we saw this shift to it being a very clear back three. Before that, it was kind of uh, a hybrid system. Um, and I think the big differentiator there is Alfonso Davies. I think when Alfonso Davies is in the game. You basically don't have to put anyone else on the left side of the field in attack and defense. It doesn't matter. Uh, he does it all. And when he's in the game, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with putting someone like Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman, uh, maybe even Jamal Musiala on the right flank who can track back and do a little bit of defensive work, even if it's not their forte, uh, because the center back behind them has a little bit uh, more flexibility because Alfonso Davies on the left is helping out and it, and it shifts the whole system. But um, I guess... You know, Tim, my question would be, is this system, is it, is it that reliant on, on Alfonso Davies that if we're not comfortable heading into a big game without him, we can't use that system? It has to look more like a traditional 4-2-3-1, uh, or do you think there are other options that, that we could do there? Uh, I, I think it's kind of much like everybody else has said, is that because he is so, yes, he is incredibly attacking, but with that i think last season his defensive output was i think like the best in the squad in terms of like recoveries tackles made uh like um basically everything you want from a fullback in terms of that equal measure of getting forward and coming back he had it in abundance and last season wasn't even a particularly good season for him is he was out uh like he was out of form kind of near the start he wasn't uh i think he was injured at points and he was still very very good so yeah, I, I do think that having you know, that super attacking left side, I I think that is kind of it is reliant on on having somebody that is so adept at going forward, but also coming back. I, you know, I, I complained about it enough last season about how our defense was absolutely woeful, and I know that there is that ethos that Bayern should be attacking first. 
that's what they need to do. They need to score before they defend. But then we, I don't know. I saw what happened like countless times last season where Bayern would like shoot themselves in the foot by conceding early, and everything. Every single game, you have to go like you have to be starting uphill. Um, I I don't think that having all out attack on on each side is is safe. I don't think it, it's certainly not sustainable considering the players. Uh, the history of players like Serge Gnabry and Kingsley Coman. Like, you know, it's great that Coman's been able to find form as a, I don't want to say as like a right wing back, but I guess like a wide right midfielder. Um, it's it's great that that's like another string added to his bow. But even if this was to be the plan for the future, you can't really account for him being available or, or Serge Gnabry being available um, when it comes to crunch time in the Champions League, so there's there's that element of it, like the actual availability aspect of it. But in, in terms of can Bayern actually go forward and and keep clean sheets and 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 win, but also be be secure at the back with this, I really don't think so. I think it is very reliant on the fact that we have somebody in Alfonso Davies who is so spectacular at getting forward, but also so secure when it comes to to doing the dirty work that I guess a lot of other fullbacks um, or, or wingbacks somewhat neglect. Um, but I, I don't know. I've, I've longed for like attacking fullbacks on each side, um, which is why I, I was never overly fond of Benjamin Pavard. The last few games now he's playing almost as a dedicated centre-back on, on the right side. I think he's been playing really, really well. Like I'm, I'm really happy for that. But I would much rather have that security out wide as well um and and as of right now Bayern just don't really have a suitable option there which is a shame um because I, I do think this has potential but it lacks the personnel I, I agree 100% about Pavard by the way and we've talked about that um a little bit on this podcast about this new role being exactly what he needs to be playing which to no one's surprised is what was working so well for him at Stuttgart when he was playing well I guess my hesitancy. I think if I guess I think if we have Alfonso Davies, I think this system is perfect. Um, and I know that's a big if, and I'm, I'm going to get there in a second. I don't want to see. I don't want to see two fullbacks. I guess is what I'm saying. I I, I like. I think the Bayern way that's working right now is, and I don't want to sound like st- stuck in my ways, but we're an attacking team. We have a very talented attacking squad, um, and I like that we play very. Uh, attack focused I'm, that's not to say I don't want to keep a clean sheet but I think if we take away Coman or Gnabry or someone else on the right side and just throw in an attacking fullback maybe Serginho Dest but we're also playing Alfonso Davies on the left I think we lose a lot of what makes this system work um, now when we have a situation like this where Alfonso Davies can't make it I would love to have somebody like him on the right side be it Serginho Dest uh, Ridley Baku someone like that to where we can play a more attacking sort of left mid, left wing back, if you will, and we have a more defensive-minded sort of right wing back. But I don't think that I would appreciate this system as much if we're playing a back three and having uh, a fullback on the right and a fullback on the left. I think that by doing that, the system has kind of not only lost its appeal uh, to me, but I also think that we're not getting the best out of our squad if we play that way. But... um, Maybe you all disagree with me there. Maybe, uh, Gary, you have any thoughts on 
on uh, the, the the tactics, I guess, of this formation. Well, Bonasar should be back pretty soon. Oh yeah, so there I we go. That should probably take care of anybody's uh, anybody's uh, hesitancy with it. No, I think that I think that the system in and of itself makes a lot of sense given the the flexibility that a lot of the players that are on this first team um, have. I think that I think that Nagelsmann, um, as we've talked about a lot, is just a master at, at putting people in the right positions in the right areas and and making the the shape pretty fluid um, between attack and, and defense and um and I and and I've said before how I, I like the aggressive attacking nature of um, the way that Hansi Flick wanted to play and then and also the way that it seems like Nagelsmann is trying to play because I just I just think that that tends to um, even though it is it is not the safer option it's not the easier option I think it's it's still it fits the Bayern mold of of you adjust to us and not the other way around um so that's just kind of i why i like the the idea of the way that they're uh, currently playing but but yeah to, i mean it does rely a lot on um players like alfonso davies being available um and so like for any but that but that's kind of the way it is for any club any system that you put out is going to be really predicated on having your the top players at certain positions and i think um as we've seen nagelsman has no problem adjusting that um with availabilities um but uh but yeah i, I had something else i was gonna say and i can't even remember what it is now but but, but ultimately yeah i i like this position i like this I, I oh i remember what it is now It'll be interesting to see what they do this uh, this next match against uh, Leipzig because I think that Leipzig is a team that has been playing really well lately and could potentially put some more pressure um, on the the three defenders and 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 so it'll be interesting to see whether Nagelsmann adjusts based on the level of competition um, or if if we continue to go forward and 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 push uh, and try to you know, say the best defense is a good offense and they can't score if they don't have the ball sort of situation. So I think that'll be really telling. Um, and they have the whole international break to kind of toy with that idea as well. well. I just wanted to mention real quick, it's kind of funny that this is actually probably the perfect position for Bonasar, if only he were any good, <laughs> <That's>, really. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it, for, for Senegal, he's been playing all over. It's, it seems like he, he, I think he was playing kind of an attacking right wing or yeah. something um, at, at one point. And that, granted, they haven't scored much. Hmm. I mean, but but not really anybody <laughs> at AFCON has been scoring much. So um be interesting. When when we needed him mm -hmm. most, where was he to be found? He was, he was playing for his country. Yep, poor guy. The, the, he's <sighs> missing his opportunity to be starting uh, for Bayern Munich. But let's talk about the N Nicholas Sula contract situation. Um, it was announced yesterday by Oliver Kahn. Really, he's just confirming what um, we kind of knew to be inevitable anyway, and that is that Nicholas Sula will be leaving Bayern Munich in the summer on a free contract. And I guess there's a couple angles that I want to um, examine this from. And, and first, we'll talk about you know Nicholas Sula and him leaving specifically. Uh, and then I want to talk about 
this pattern that we're seeing of Bayern losing players on a free transfer, and maybe that's problematic. But but first, let's talk about uh, Sula and him as a player. Um, Sebastian, you think, is he leaving a big hole behind? I mean, how much is this going to hurt us uh, losing Sula, given you know his time at the club, given um, the issues that have been going on with him? Just him as a specific player, how big of a hole is this going to leave in the Bayern defense? Yeah, so that this there are definitely a number of factors to this. Uh, the first one is uh, cent- central center back is kind of a position where we can afford to lose someone, uh, even if we are planning to play with three center backs most of the time. This still leaves us with more or less three starting quality center backs that have not been like much weaker than he was recently. Um, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that that Zula has been on pretty good form, like in the last couple over the last couple of weeks. But kind of overall, going into a new season, I don't feel like this is necessarily much worse uh, in terms of quality than losing one of the other three guys. Um, not counting Nianzu right now because obviously he's not not yet someone we would consider. Uh, like we can plug him in there as an as a starter going into a new season. I don't see that yet. Mm. So from that perspective, it's not too bad. Uh, what I <clears throat> what I like the least about this is that Niklas Süle, from like from a physical standpoint, he's really the ideal guy to play in the middle of a three man backline. He just has the size, both like he's tall, but also he's pretty wide. He's just uh, going to be Im- impressive back there. He's just going to be a bit intimidating uh, for for the opposition. Basically, he's he's just the kind the kind of player you would like in the central position of uh, a three man backline. This is a bit annoying that we don't really have someone who is like that. The other guys are all like smaller, not like don't have these broad shoulders that he has and so on. So that's not that's not ideal, but well it can be fixed. We would probably get a different guy in and we're going to have some options there. So this is probably not too bad. Um the next thing here is uh as a German team, as a team that has historically relied on players from the German national team, you're basically losing your only guy uh, that's from the German national team on, on the back line. This is not ideal, of course. Uh, in an ideal world, you would not want to lose a guy like that. Also something that could, of course, be fixed. Uh, I guess the kind of good thing here is that I feel like Zule hasn't really had the best mentality, really. We had been talking about this, uh, uh, I don't know, a number of months ago, I think, when uh, his conversations with his agents kind of surfaced because his two agents were fighting and something was leaked and whatnot. And yeah, it, it was just wild. <laughs> like where, where I think it was... Oh, do I get, can I get the whole story together? I'm not sure. Where he basically, where Bayern, I think, was it Tottenham? I think it was Tottenham, yeah, right? Yeah. And then where Bayern beat Tottenham pretty decisively. And the next thing he does is, hey, I would really like to join this Tottenham team. <laughs> in a kind of uh, weird German slang even. And Yeah, I don't know. This This is just, you just have to wonder what's going on in his head, really. Who would want that in this situation? How can this 
Tottenham team be so attractive for you in this situation? Because of the money? Maybe? Not ideal. Maybe because he, he thinks, ha, ah, they are so bad, they could use a starter like me and I will not have to put in much work to keep, to keep my starting spot. Would also not be very good. I, I just, I, I really just um, fail to come up with good reasons uh, why you would text that to, to, your, to your agent and just like, also just take this decision out of, well, just a, a current mood and I don't know that this just rubs me all kinds of wrong ways, really. So, yeah, maybe in terms of character, it's not too bad uh, that he's leaving, actually. So maybe we can get someone in who ticks a number of those boxes I mentioned earlier, but also don't doesn't have these kind of character issues there. Someone who really wants to win, someone who really wants to be here, and someone, someone who really wants to put, on, put in the effort every day in training and on the field uh, on match day, of course. That would be great. Yeah, that that whole Tottenham situation was absolutely crazy for for so many reasons, and you kind of addressed those already. Uh, and we probably won't have the time to talk very much about replacements today, but there are a lot of a lot of good center backs coming on the market this summer for free or for cheap, and so maybe finding a replacement there won't be super hard. As for his position on the field, you do look at him and think he's the ideal central center defender or center back in a, in a back three. What I find interesting is that whenever Dio Upamecano has been in the starting lineup, it's actually been him that uh, Julian Nogsman has played in the center. Uh, and whenever they're together, it tends to be Nicolas Sula playing the right center back. Um, so it's not necessarily like we're losing our only central center defender or center back. I think that uh, Upamecano has got that lockdown anyway underneath Nagelsmann for, for better or worse, uh, sometimes for worse this this season. But um, you're right. There's a lot of character issues. There's a lot of just questions about his dedication, not just to the club, but to playing professional football in general, which is just really strange for me to wrap my head around uh, anyway. But um, I guess it is a good thing that this has now been confirmed. However, this is the second season in a row that Bayern are going to lose a central defender for free. Obviously, this one doesn't hurt as much as David Alabud, but we're kind of seeing this becoming a theme about losing players uh, a little bit, well, losing players for a lot less money than we would like to. Luckily, it didn't happen with Kingsley Coman, but um, Garrett, I'll come to you. Do you think, how, do, how important do you think it is that um, Bayern, specifically, I guess, Hassan Salihamidzic, now that this is his role, stays on top of these contracts and and make sure that we're not losing players for free so often going forward. I think um, I mentioned it back when we were uh, not sure about the Goretzka situation that I, I would prefer them to go the route of, of, I guess a conservative route of saying if, if you're entering your final year of a contract, we've either decided we're not, going to extend or you know we're just behind the eight ball and we're just going to have to try to try to sign you for more if you're not going to get transferred you know that sort of situation i because i think i think like with sula it it seems like all the flags were there that to to kind of lead us down the path of thinking this is probably he's probably trying to move on and um 
and yet it didn't seem like they they took those those hints and really did anything with them and part of that's because you don't know what kind of system Nagelsmann's going to play you don't know how he's going to react to all that i understand all that but i think there is a large part of me that just thinks if you're getting down to the last year on a contract, it's probably too late for, for in the vast majority of cases. Um, and, and so I, that's kind of the approach I would, I would take, I guess. But, but I, I think with, with Sula, it's, it's similar to kind of how, what you guys were talking about. There's, there's, there's other options there. The way that Nagelsmann has been playing, you've been playing with, Three center backs, and, and for the most part, he hasn't been the central guy or even on the right side as much um, in the, those back three center backs. So I guess I can understand a little bit why he seems to think that he's not being valued as, as much as, as he would like to be. But um, but yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of the signs have been there for a little while that that maybe his head isn't quite where it needs to be to to be uh, the player Bayern want him to be, and so they probably should have moved on from him sooner uh, than than this. Um, so it, it is disappointing to see a player of that caliber go for free, but um, hopefully that that just changes their approach on 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 things like this, and, and instead of trying to make something work that clearly seems to be broken they they would they would kind of cut ties uh maybe a little earlier than they would like to yeah and uh this kind of goes in with the last topic we're going to talk about and that is according to reports from from germany um hassan salihamidzic is going to be taking over more responsibility in terms of transfers and contract negotiate negotiations and, and stuff and if you've watched the uh, amazon documentary he already is kind of not even kind of. He's already very much playing the leading role uh, in that category anyway. But um, Tim, with, with this in mind, I know that uh, maybe you're not the the biggest Brazo fan, um, but or maybe you are. I'm not sure because he was kind of on Kovac's side anyway. Uh, do you think that these clearly defined roles, giving him, you know, making it clear who is doing what, uh, is a good thing for the club, or do you think they'd be better off? making it more of a group decision when they head into these types of things. Uh, so I guess maybe will this help in the future with, with these types of issues? Uh, I, 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 there's probably like benefits and, and drawbacks to, to this. Um, I haven't necessarily thought about it in any great detail, but if, if I was to be in charge of how these sort of decisions go, I would want Sally Hamadich to work very very closely and very intricately with not just a sporting director but like a whole team of people to say this is what we need to achieve this is where we want to go these are the sort of players that we want to do because Nagelsmann's already said I've signed like a five-year contract if I could I'd sign another like a five-year extension on top of that like he's not going to want to leave really hope that that doesn't come back to bite me in a few years but he is you know he's a Bayern fan he will want to stay there for as long for as long as he can do so really that's kind of where you start working you I think Sally Hamadit should be working with Nagelsmann to say what is it that you want to achieve what's the kind of football you want to do let's see if we can make that happen um 
but I, again i don't think that should be just one person I, I don't think it should be two people i don't think it should just be the manager and sally hamadich go off they have a chat and then say cool we're signing everyone for like a six-year contract like i i do think it requires input from everybody um i i guess maybe what we've seen with guys like uli hernis and karlheinz rummenigge where you have i guess like this dichotomy where one person thinks that things should be going this way and the other person thinks that things should be going in a different way i, I feel like hernis was always very focused on like keeping that German identity like of paramount importance to the club, which I completely understand. I, I totally get uh, the importance of that. Whereas somebody like Rummenigge always struck me as the person that was looking to say, okay, but what about these markets over here? Like there's, there's stuff that we can do there. I think it's so important to have that, uh, I guess, kind of like a duel of you need to have some form of opposition um in order for somebody to say actually there's a better way of doing this um because otherwise if it lies entirely on one person you know that's that's a very dangerous very dangerous game to play i I saw something on on reddit i think which was like is there every chance that he's being set up so that when things go wrong in the future hypothetically Neuer doesn't extend, although I think he said that he wants to retire at Bayern, which is more than okay for me. Like if, if Neuer doesn't want to extend or or the replacement for Lewandowski is a, a failure, then it all comes down to that one person and you can easily say, this is the problem, let's fix this. Um, I don't know, That that's maybe like a little bit too like, I guess that's a bit of like a conspiracy that doesn't really need the airtime. As such, I've spoken about it for about a minute. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i don't know i think it's it's great that um that sally hamadich is being recognized because i do think he's done a lot of good things um but i i do also think let's just let's not let the guy go absolutely mad with power um i think there needs to be a team around him um if only just to say actually that's a really dumb idea we don't want to spend 45 million pounds on some Premier League winger who's only got like 10 games called Callum. I don't know, hypothetically, if that was that. Yeah, not that we, you have someone in mind or that. anything. No, uh, well, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, um, totally. I'm still sad about that. But yeah, <laughs> but, there, there, needs to be, there needs to be opposition to him as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, I mean, surely both Salih Hamidic and the club in general are smart enough to, it's not just, you know, here here's here's the keys to the car, go have fun, you know, do whatever you're going to do. I think that there is obviously a, uh, a very team club focused identity at Bayern anyway, where they all want to do what's best for the club. And that involves putting yourself aside and, and uh, getting advice, getting help. One thing I saw in the documentary is that uh, Brazzo seemed to always be working with Marco Neff and no matter, no matter what was going on, they were together. And so I think that he's already got that relationship built in um, he seems to be getting on with Julian Nagelsmann a lot better than he did Hansi Flick. Uh, and so ideally, I think this will still work out, I, I think, by making someone kind of taking a leading role in this. I do think it'll help with the contract stuff, especially that we're not getting to a point where it's just, oh, how did his contract get down to its final year? We we missed out on that somehow. Um, not that that's necessarily where the club it was anyway, but I do think hopefully that will uh, that will help regulate that a little bit 
Um, and, and Sebastian, I know you've talked a little bit, um, so maybe you have some some thoughts on this to kind of uh, wrap us up before we close. Yeah, I definitely like the accountability here uh, because I definitely don't think that's a setup or anything. But, well, before all this, we had the situation where you really couldn't blame anyone because if you said, okay, this was somehow Hoeneß's mistake or Romanigas mistake, they could easily say, yeah, okay, but I couldn't do what I wanted because this it was this other guy's fault who let, uh, who didn't let me do what I, what I wanted to do and so on. And I think it's definitely good to untangle this whole thing a little bit. And also, there is no Hoeneß here anymore. There is no Romanigas here anymore. And, uh, well... I don't think you can put too much of that on Khan's plate because he definitely has his work cut out for him anyway. Um, he has to deal with this uh, with this whole fan thing right now. And of course, it's just definitely a hard job he's doing anyway. So I think it's good to keep him out of there a bit. I'm trusting Heine less and less, basically. So yeah, if, if there were someone like Hoeneß or someone like Rummenigge, is still there, I would say, okay, maybe let them have a look at what, what Hassan is doing a bit more. But who's there right now, really? So I don't think there's, there's a figure like that at the club right now who could, well, practically share this responsibility, who would be the guy to share this responsibility with. So I think I kind of like it because, as I said, it, it really creates more accountability than there used to be. And if something goes wrong... You, can, you have a clear way how you can fix it, right? You, you can talk. If something goes wrong, some some other person like Khan can go to Sally Hamid and say, okay, this didn't go well. What are we going to do about it? Tell me how we're doing. Are going to do better next time. And it's just a very clear process there. And I definitely prefer this over the kind of chaos that this partnership of Hoeneß and Rummenigge and also Beckenbauer to an extent uh, was towards the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that a hundred percent. The just giving some structure uh, will help, you know, provide stability in the midst of chaos. You would you would hope, at the very least. So, all things considered, should be a good move for the club. But uh, that's all the time that we have for this one. If you've enjoyed listening today, or if you're a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, please do us a favor and leave us a five star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways that you can do that. You can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or follow us over on Twitter at superbyronpod and keep up to date with us there. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're probably going to be there. As always, thank you for listening. Go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.